What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Shooting the Breeze. I'm Cody. And I'm Sawyer. And we're just two guys shooting the breeze. And today, we're coming at you with another true crime episode. Yes, sir. So I know um, last episode, we did true crime. The episode before that, what did we do the episode before that? Uh, you talking about with Kale? The last no, true crime we did we with did. that? We did... They all just mushed together. <laughs> yeah, they all just mushed together. I can remember them in the beginning, and now I can't remember any of them. No, now it's all just a blur. Yeah. That's going to irritate what me. What episodes are we at? How many episodes are we uh, This is episode 15, I think. Oh, my God. I know. We've been doing this for a while. Um... Dang, that's going to irritate me that I can't think of the episode that we did before. We did conspiracy. Oh, are you talking about before today? Oh, was that what it was? Was it Georgia Guidestones? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's what it was. Wow. That, that wasn't... Like... It was that true crime? That was... It was more so conspiracy theory. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of run together. Yeah. Dang. Um, okay. Anyways, so today we have another true crime, and Sawyer's going to be bringing us this very... Uh, it's a very well known story. Yeah, when it it's comes a big to story. Yeah, when it comes to um, you know, serial killer. It's actually the number one. Is it serial killer? Yeah, I like, think. Yeah, like with most kills. Yeah. Wow. Um, at least it, it, there's kind of some discrepancy. It's like there's this many confirmed, but allegedly it's like insane. It's a big name, and we're not gonna yeah. say it yet because I'm gonna let Sawyer. I guess it everything. might be right next to Zodiac Killer. See, I'd be near. Golden State Killer, because that one Golden was State like, too, yeah. that one was like forty years long. But yeah, you ready to tell us all about it? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, well, let's dive on in. All right, so Sawyer, tell us, <laughs> tell us about this. Tell us the name and about this this true crime. Yeah, so case. it's it's known as the Green River Killer. Green River if you, Killer. If you do any sort of research into like uh big true crime big case. true crime cases, this one always comes up. Yeah. So it's kind of kind of a give me. In fact, there's so much um I will not be able to cover it like all today. Like there's no way. It's yeah. so extensive and we'll get into it why. It's so extensive. And I'm not I'm not trying to steal your thunder, but for those who don't know, like Green River Killer's a big one, Golden State Killer, yeah. Zodiac Killer, like all the ones that you hear about, those are like big serial killers. Yeah, well, and everybody knows Bundy and Ted R- Bundy, but that one, he but did. But he like kind of, in comparison to these guys. Yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer, like these guys are nothing compared to these big serial killer names. And like, for instance, like the Golden State Killer was a case that went on for 40 years yes. before they actually locked the guy up. Yeah. This one, I think is, it's pretty long as well. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, I think it's a total of 22 years. Yeah, it's it's all well the killing the killing all happened in a little less than 20 years. Yeah, so you got to realize like Sawyer's about to tell us a But I'm about case. to tell you how many he killed and that's like sh- well, I say short amount of time, but when you hear how many people he's killed it's like Jesus. Yeah, like he's putting them yeah, going through them. Yeah. It's it's rough. All right, so yeah, the killing spree start uh, spanned almost twenty years, and later found to be linked to up to this is this is just kind of the highest number I could find where people were like, it's most likely this many. Right. He only ended up confessing to forty nine at the end of the day. I can go ahead and give up, give that out. Yeah. But um, yeah. So seventy one murders, and many say it's even more than that. I saw stuff of like that it's probably in the nineties. So 71. twenty more unaccounted for 
I mean, just, and like I said, we'll get into it. It all, the blunt of it was in a span of one year. Like there was a lot happened. Like the majority was in one year. I, if I, if I remember correctly, yes. That means like he'd have to be like killing like two people a month. Yes. So we're no more than that. Yeah. So it all started in 1982. It's when this all, well, I say it all started. It all, this big killing spree started in 1982. Okay. The very first murder. Yes. The killing spree began in the, well, (laughs) the killing spree began in the early 1980s. Majority of the murders occurred between 1982 and 84. The victims were believed to be either sex workers or runaways whom he picked up along Pacific Highway South. They would later end up found murdered and dumped in the Green River in Washington State. Green River Killer. Why he's the Green River Killer. Okay. Um, so the evidence of the first known victim was Wendy Lee Cofield, who was discovered on July 15th, 1982, near the Green River. And that's just, a, like I said, I, if I were going to dive into, obviously we've talked about there's up to 49 victims, you know, accounted for. Right. If I was to go into every one of the victims, we'd be here all day. Right. Um, right. So that's no disrespect to the victims, but... It, yeah, there's, there's so there's much. A, there's a lot of people to get a backstory on. Yes, and th- there's a lot of information everywhere about this. Like I said, it's a big, well-known um, yeah. story. So I'm just going to... I'm probably not even going to get through all of them. I'm going to tell you a good bit of the, of the people that he murdered in just 1982. Okay. All right. So in, uh, in 1982, it starts with Wendy Lee Cofield. Now, mind you, these are all like young girls. Um, it says that their ages span from 14 to 26. Dear heavens. Yeah. Um, so, in, I, ne- I don't necessarily have the date, but I have the date that they disappeared. So okay. It's somewhere before there, right? So, this is Wendy Lee Cofield. It's the first one. July 8, 1982. The very next one they found, July 17, 1982, which was Giselle Ann Lavorne, Lavorne, mm-hmm. something like that. In July 25th, a week later, or eight days later, um, another was found. August 1st, another. So he's basically killing one a week. Basically. Dang. I mean, just, and it's like, they're all turned up in like, this, not always the same place, but most of them are found. Somewhere the, along the bank yes. of the Green River Killer, yes. or the Green River. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Um, August 1st, August 11th, August 12th, another was found. Your head, the, the next day, they found another so victim. He, oh, my gosh. Okay. August 29th, September 15th, September 20th, 26th, October 8th, October 9th. I mean, it goes on and on and on. These are all, well, I should say this. The 82 stopped in August, but then it just keeps going on the very next year. But if you count it up, that is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Golly. Yeah. So 12 within... They all disappeared. There was more than that. They all disappeared in 1982. That many disappeared. Dang. Okay, so I guess kind of like lead us down. What was happening with like the police? Like what was kind of the, uh, the investigation? Okay. Um, or yeah. So, yeah, like I said, the first uh, evidence was found, like, right off, right off the bat in 1982. Um, and that, I mean, that started it up. 
and then it just didn't help that there were so many kind of piling up. Right. Um, so a series of murders continued. The more victims discovered near the Green River, evidence included the remains of the victims and their personal belongings. In 1984, so this is two years after this, Okay. it, it got so serious that the King County Sheriff's Office formed the Green River Task Force to investigate the murders. So, so like, they, they put together a whole special unit because they were like, this has got to stop. Yeah. Like, this is... Surprised it took them two years to make a unit. Right. Well, if you look, so the disappearings happened, and then the bodies would be found sometimes like a year later. Yeah. Um, but they were all found roughly al- along the Green River? They all, yeah, they were all found around the Green River. Okay. Um, he would actually, he, some, some of them he would actually like take across state lines into Oregon and stuff like that, because this is all happening in Washington, mind you. Right. Um, he would take them into Oregon to kind of, <laughs> or again, yeah. to kind of throw them off. Stuff of that really uh, smart guy when it came to killing people, at least. Um, <laughs> it's not. And throwing the cops off. Yeah. Um, so they formed the Green River Task Force to investigate the murders. Task Force members included Robert Keppel and Dave uh, Reichert. Reichert? Mm-hmm. Who periodically interviewed incarcerated serial killer Ted Bundy in 1984. Mm. So you got to think. They interviewed Ted Bundy in 84. So this is all going while the, Ted Bundy's also still around and they're interviewing him. Oh, so Ted Bundy, I don't even know when Ted Bundy got locked up. Um, I don't even know it off the top of my head, but this is when they interviewed him. Like the, you know, pretty famous interview with Ted Bundy. Yeah. Uh, that was in 84. Okay. Yeah. So this is all going on like around the time. You, you What's know. up with all the serial killers in the eighties and seventies? Right, all around the same time. You yeah. What was like? What was in the water? I'm telling like, you. What was going on? People just were out for blood. So they actually uh, interviewed him, and Bundy offered his opinions on the psychology, motivations, and behavior of the Green River Killer. So they were kind of like getting into the mind of a serial killer to see to how. help ca- try and catch and find them. Right. Um, he suggests that the killer was revisiting the dump sites to have sex with his victims. Well, sick puppy. That is messed up. Yeah. Which turned out to be true. Oh, even worse. Yep. And if police found a fresh grave, they should stake it out and wait for him to come back. Also contributing to the uh, investigation was FBI special agent John E. Douglas, who developed a profile on the suspect. So, they basically all this stuff has happened, and they they put together a whole separate task force, start interviewing other, you know, serial killers to try and find this guy because it's just gotten way out of hand. Right. So they so all these killings started in eighty two. It's eighty four now. Yep. They're they're they have a pro profile on them. Yep. They uh got a special task force. They're interviewing Ted Bundy. I'm sure other serial killers mm-hmm. to get like the insight on it yep so so they're starting to actually like build a, a case build a case like kind of start honing in on like do they have any suspects by this time in 84 so yeah by this uh time so this is 1987 through 98 okay so, so like, we, this so we, is a long like yeah so okay so let me ask you this so from 82 and 84 we still had killings yes they're starting they in 84 they finally build a profile on them they have a task force and now we're jumping to 87 Mm-hmm. So what happened? Did any more like deaths occur? So coincidentally, no. There seemed to be a bit of a chill out, okay, for a little bit, and we'll we'll get into that later. Um, okay, the killer got married is what happened. Oh, and, okay. Which we'll get into that whole relationship and everything. Um, so in eighty seven through ninety eight, the killings and disappearances persisted. So he was back on it. 
Okay. Um, leading to the collection of additional evidence over the years, including DNA samples and other forensic data. Right. Which it's funny because in last episode, we talked about CODIS. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was the name of it. Basically, the huge DNA system that like right. has everybody's DNA in it. That didn't always exist. No. So this is in the 80s, late 80s. Yeah. Like CODIS didn't exist. Like uh, genealogy testing did not exist yet. So it was like you could leave your DNA on a crime scene. It was like, unless you, unless it was like fingerprints or like, I'm sure they had a smaller database back then. Like mm-hmm. you got away with it really. Cause yeah. it was like, nobody could, well, they, they had no way to like, uh, compare it, route it to you. Like they yeah. couldn't like track it down. They, they had a DNA sample, but they couldn't like, what do we do with it to this? others and tell like who you're related to, what, what you might be. Right. You know, stuff like that. Okay. Um, so this goes on until 2001 until there's a, a breakthrough and an advance into the DNA technology, right? Okay, so so these killings just go on all the way from 82 to 2001? Right. So basically 19 years? Yes. Dang. Yeah. So finally, they have um, a breakthrough in the DNA uh, uh, technology allowed the investigators to re-examine evidence from crime scenes. They discovered DNA matches that pointed to a single suspect. So this is where, this is years later, 2001 from 1982 uh-huh. they finally get a breakthrough because they they're just not finding the guy yeah um and they finally have a breakthrough and it points to one guy okay um and we'll get we'll get into this i can't really we'll we'll get into the killer and we'll explain that he actually had a run run in earlier with the cop and got mm. away unscathed Dang. Um, but we have to go ahead and get into him and why he got through it okay so we point to gary ridgeway Gary Ridgeway. He was, uh, they, he was a truck painter that they arrested in November 30th, 2001. DNA evidence and his confessions linked him to numerous murders attributed to the Green River killer. I wonder so, how old he was at that point. So at this point, he would have been... Uh, That'd be like pushing... S- yeah, he's, he's old. 50s? Yeah. Um, Older than that? He's 74 now. Okay. So let me just do the math. Minus 2001. So he's like 50. So 22 years. 51. Yeah, 51. Yeah. Dang. Okay, so he's 51 in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, so they finally hone in on him, and this is the guy. He, they get in touch with him. But what we have to do is we have to kind of dive into who Gary Ridgway was, mm. and that'll give us more details on why, mur- why he was on such a killing spree and why was it just young girls or sex workers or things like that? Right. Um, we have to dive into his background. And I think you'll find that he has a lot in common with a lot of other serial killers. Serial killers. Okay. All right. So, Gary Ridgway is our suspect here, or he's the killer, come to find out. Um, about him, he had a troubled upbringing, mm. to say the least. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, it, it all starts... Strangling cats and stuff like that. <laughs> it all starts uh, lining up here. Yeah. Um, so he came from a troubled family. His parents, Mary and Thomas Ridgway, had a, let's say, not the best relationship. Mm. Um, there seems to be some back and forth on whether it was his father who was known to have a violent temper or his mother. I believe it's his mother because that kind of points towards yeah. some of the why he hated women. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or because he was straight. Yeah. Because you said earlier he was having sex with the bodies? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
That's messed up. So Gary claimed that he witnessed violent arguments between his parents from a young age. From a young age, he began to show signs that uh, have been linked to psychopathic traits like bedwetting and torturing animals. See, that's when you know. That, yeah, I, which you... I would never thought bedwetting. Yeah, like, so I've heard that. That's a big thing, like wetting your bed like at an older age and stuff like that. Yeah, I would never. So that, that started, that kept on until he was 13. He was wetting the bed. Yeah, no, there's no way yeah. I've been wet. Which, I mean, I didn't do that, but I also wouldn't have thought if it did that I'm a psychopath now. I'm sure I peed in my bed, but that was like when I was a kid. Right. Like You know, it happens to the best of us. And usually when I did, it was because I was dreaming that I got up and went to the bathroom, <laughs> yeah. but I was really just laying in my bed. Uh, one, uh, so, let me get into this, um, where his tendency to wet the bed until late age. Additionally, his mom would bathe him after. After he wet the bed? Yes. She would bathe him? Yes. At 13? Yes, at 13. And that, this consisted of like like washing him by hand. Oh, that's yeah. weird. Yeah, oh, That's really weird. Reportedly half naked a lot of the time. Half naked? Yes, that's what he would, that's what Gary would say, is that she would be in like a bra and underwear when she did so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to go any further into that. Yeah, and she would mock him, and he would later tell defense psychologists that as an adolescent, he had conflicting feelings of anger and attraction towards his mother and fantasized about killing her. Now, mind you, like, had we known all this about him before? Oh, like... Dead giveaway. Dead giveaway. That's the, that's the yeah. sick puppy right there. Yeah, right. Um, so, and then it's also said that, like, he, his mom would, like, tell him, like, graphic details about her like sex life and everything outside of their marriage too. See, when it comes to stuff like that, I yeah, usually you have a hard time blaming him. Yeah. Not, you don't you you have a hard time blaming him for like being messed up. Yeah. Like it's hard like it's not like it's nothing he did, but like your childhood kind of stays with you. Yeah, like there's nothing his what he did was a byproduct of his of what he didn't do. Of yeah, what other people did. To him. He really wasn't raised upright, like in a good, loving home. No. So it's like it kind of no. makes sense that he just went off. Which I wonder how old he was when he w- made his first kill. So yeah, we'll get into that. Okay. Um. So he was also a below-average student. Uh, he was not outstanding and uh, struggled with his academics. He attended Thai High School in SeaTac, Washington, but he did not excel academically or socially, for he was dyslexic and actually ended up. Held back a year in high school. Dang. Yeah. So wasn't doing well in that uh, area either. He had early criminal behavior. So as a teenager, he had a few run-ins with the law. He was arrested for a few minor offenses, offenses, including theft. When he was 16 years old, he stabbed a kid. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That should have been a red flag. a six-year-old boy at 16. Oh, dang. Yes. That he had led into the woods. Yeah. This guy gives me the creeps. Yeah. He led the boys into the woods and stabbed him through the ribs into his liver and left him there. But the kid lived? The kid lived. Okay. The kid lived. Um, like I said, if all this would have been known in the beginning, I, I guess they would have got on to him a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, he also he had, he did military service. Um, he joined the U.S. Navy. He served in the Navy for about 13 years, during which he married and had a son. So, like, it's kind of weird. So, with, the, with Gary, he had, on one side, he's reportedly, like, known to be kind of normal or have at least normal li- life. 
like mm-hmm. wives and kids and stuff like this. And um, yeah, his family said he was nice, you know. They um, but everybody did kind of say that he was strange. I wonder. I wonder if he had to do the military service because of the crime. You know, I wonder that too. Because I know that was like a big thing back then. Like, yeah, if you, if you committed, committed a crime, one, you could either go to jail or go into the military. Yeah. That's why I always tell people that boot camp is like worse than prison because yeah. they use that as literally an alternative instead of going to prison. Like, you can be useful for this country. You can be, you know, dirtbag yes. and sit in prison. And while he was in the military, um, he had a ton of allegations of sexual misconduct with mostly prostitutes and uh, sex workers and stuff like that, which actually ended up. Uh, ending the marriage, and his it was going on on both sides too. Like his wife was cheating, he was cheating. All when he was in the military. Yeah, I think like that, that was uh, that relationship was just yeah meant to just be not doomed. Good. Um, but once again, if you grew up like he did, I don't you know. Yeah, probably that, gonna be pretty rough. Okay. So friends and family described him as friendly but strange. His first two marriages resulted in divorce because of infidelities, like we've just talked about by both partners. His second wife, Marcia Winslow, claimed that he had placed her in a chokehold. Mm. They um, were just wrestling. <laughs> just a little yeah, wrestling. Just, just a little play fight. Yeah. You know? Okay. Uh, he actually became religious during his second marriage. Uh, as he went the door to door, reading the Bible aloud at work and home and insisted that his wife follow the strict teachings of their pastor. He would uh, frequently cry after sermons or reading the Bible. Despite his beliefs, Ridgway continued to solicit the service of sex workers and wanted his wife to participate in sex in public and inappropriate places, sometimes even in areas where his victims' bodies were later discovered. Yeah. Dang. Just a man. It's all kind of like comes together once you like see the, the backstory of him. Yeah, I don't know what is fascinating. I wonder what it, I couldn't find anything on his fascination with the woods. Yeah, the river. He yeah. just likes nature. <laughs> he really like. He loves hearing that he running just, water. He just loves some nature. That's all. I, he's. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and according to the women in his life, Ridgway had an insatiable sexual appetite. His three ex-wives and several ex-girlfriends reported that he demanded sex from them several times a day. Often he would want to have sex in public areas or in the woods. Once again, the woods just keep coming back up. He's a. He just yeah. seems to have about. He has like. Three things that he really, really liked. Yeah. Before, I guess. Yeah. Young women, the woods, murder. And sex. And sex. He's a simple man. Jeez. <laughs> Is he, though? <laughs> well, that's one way to be simple. Yeah. yeah. He, um, like, I just want to kill people and have sex and do it in the woods. Yeah. Um, so, often he would, he would, like I said, with, he had, like, this love-hate relationship with sex workers. He, like, hated them. But kept going back, kept going back to them, using yeah. their services, stuff like that. So some people think that that it's translates to like the same relationship he had with his mother. He had like this love hate thing mm-hmm. where like in one instance, he like wanted to kill him. But in the other, he was like, couldn't help his attractions to him or something. Right. I Like I said, I couldn't find much on what all those were connected from. But I'm guessing that's it is from those periods as a kid, as a kid you know, just shape your life. Yeah. Um, Gary said he hated prostitutes and didn't want to pay them. Some have speculated that Ridgway was torn between his lust and his staunch religious beliefs, which is kind of like, all right, like on this side, like he really wants. It's, it sounds like he had, um, I don't think, I, I don't want to say <laughs> that, 
you know what I'm talking about. Like afterwards, you have a clarity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like he has like this, like he he does it in the moment of like lust. Yeah. And then he does it. And then afterwards, he has like this clarity, like, gosh, I'm so stupid. And then he gets like angry. Like, yeah. why did I do this? Why and did I do this? Them. Yeah. And then he kills them or something. So. Yeah. Because he's just, fighting, like, the religious, like, aspect of it. Like, I'm feeling convicted spiritually. And then, you know, he doesn't want to pay him. This is a financial burden. And it's like, I can get rid of the financial burden and my hate for this girl. All in one. All in one all fell in swoop. One, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all good. So, um, so, so, you know how I told you, like, there was a gap there where it seemed like the killings had kind of slowed down. Yeah. So, he was actually married during, the, uh, during that time. Um, and, uh, what, uh, later report with this wife, he, she said that she believes that she saved lives cause she would actually, like I said, he had kind of this crazy appetite, um, yeah. and that she was willing to, you know, kind of feed it, so to say. So he went on, um, because it's reported that he, he says later in interviews that he would, um, go back to the sites. To, and, yeah. Um, and he would do that as a way to like wean himself off or like, you know, um, feed his appetite so he wouldn't have to take another victim. Okay. Which is like, that's, you know, that's sweet. Yeah. Good I job. guess. Good job, buddy. So she kind of, yeah, she, she kind of kept him busy. Held, held back the, the beast for a while as far as taking new victims and everything. Um, okay. So, so, like we've said before, um, in 2001, there was a breakthrough in the DNA, and they actually got to him, got to talk to him, and this is where all this started coming out about all his family and everything. They started interviewing people, interviewing him. Well, um, one of the things they interviewed about him is like where he would take the bodies and what he would do, and he actually ended up leading them to some of the sites where he would do his thing. Right. Um, most of the time, he would like I said, they would, he would pick him up on this uh, highway and he would often, he would um, show them like pictures of his son and stuff to like make them trust him. And that way he could like, you know, further get, they, yeah. they would trust him more and they would engage in uh, sexual activity. And he would end up later, he would get them to a secluded area, either his truck or out in the woods yeah. um, and later kill them. Um, and then he would, it says that he started burying the bodies because of his habit of going back to them. He later started burying them to kind of stop doing that. So it was like he was trying to stop, but he, he was just, trying to stop necrophilia at least. Yeah. He, he just had no self-control. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of, I don't know, getting into the mind of this guy, it's like he was kind of convicted, but not as soon as it was like, yeah. As soon as he got the appetite for, um, he would just do it again. Yeah. Every time. That's how a lot of people are. It's like, I want to quit this so bad. And it's like, you know what? I'm strong tonight. Right after you do it, you're like, I'm strong. I'm never doing that again. Right. And then the next day comes, it's like, I mean, is it really that bad? <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy because like when you think that he's con feels convicted about it, then he actually, they, because of his habit with sex workers, he's actually been arrested before. Before everything came out, he was actually arrested. For, for uh, prostitution, or not him prostituting, but using, <laughs> using for a him shaking it on yeah. the corner. Yeah, no, but yeah, okay. So him getting with the prostitute. Yeah, and um, so he was actually arrested on that and passed a polygraph and everything, 
and he because he was a suspect they called him a suspect for the green river uh killings so so they interviewed him for the green river killings when way, way before it came out back in i guess that would have been it had to have been recent like 83 like it started in 82 it was in i feel like it had to be in 83 or 84 83 and 84 so they interviewed him in 83? Yes, they, um, he became a suspect in 1983. In 84, he passed the polygraph test. Okay, so they probably interviewed him, yeah. So they interviewed yeah. him in 84. Dang, so, and then 2001. Well, and on April 7th, um, 1987, is when they took DNA samples. From the victims? No, from him. Oh, they called him in and got a DNA Yes, sample. they got the samples and everything. Okay. Um, but once again, he kind of scaved under because, like, like I said, everybody was saying, like, oh, he's a nice guy. Like, he's got a wife and kids. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah stuff like that. Yeah. Um, they knew of his infidelities, his wives did, but they didn't know of how serious the they were. killings and everything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. They, and then finally, when the DNA caught up in 2001 and they brought him back in is when they started talking about. Um, but it's weird that if you like we were talking about earlier, if you feel like a conviction over it, he never would have passed a polygraph test. Because that's one of the ways that you can, oftentimes, uh, psychopaths or serial killers will pass polygraph tests because they feel no remorse. Yeah, they, they feel like what they did wasn't wrong. Yeah, like, they, feel, they don't feel bad about it at all. Yeah. So yeah. it's weird to think like, all right, you're saying that you were like trying to stop or trying to stop this or whatever, but you passed polygraph test you feel no remorse at all about any of it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he he's messed up in the head. He probably could believe anything. Right. You know? Dang. So, like I said, they interviewed him in uh, 84 and then further got DNA samples in 87. 87, right. And then so he something happened and he was back on, uh, back on a killing spree again. So, so this is from 87 up until... He was killing all the way up until he was arrested in 2001. So I wonder, his second wife was the one that kind of held back the beast. Right. Well, I, I wonder if they got a divorce. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they, so because wonder, of the infidelities, they ended up getting a divorce. So I wonder if that's when he started back up, was yes. after the divorce yes. with the second wife. Um, so more and more killings persisted. I could list them all off to you from that time period, but yeah. it, it's a whole lot more. Um, okay. But finally, when the DNA caught up in 2001 and they arrested him, he pleaded guilty to 48 accounts of murder. Go. He took him to the site. So what got him? What finally got him? Like, what got him arrested? The DNA? The DNA. When oh, they the found out, when, once the DNA um, research like, advanced enough to where they could get it to one person, yeah. they already had his DNA in the system, ran it, and they got him. So they had him before on other charges, right? but they didn't know he was the Green River Killer. Dang. So they had him on just the using sex workers and prostitutes and stuff like that. Um, and he, he did serve some jail time, but he ended up being let off again. Um, and then next thing you know, they ran all that DNA once they had the technology to do so. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, we had him the whole time back in 83, 84. Right. Um, on another account. It all starts lining up, like, why is he killed? Once they put together, like, oh, we had this guy on sex workers, um, yeah. and then the DNA comes up and it's him. It's like, oh, my God. We're idiots. This makes <laughs> no, sense. 
tweet this. Like I said, he was already a suspect because of that. But right. he passed the polygraph and everything and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's just crazy. And the, you, they had him. Like, they had him right there. Yeah. And he passed everything, and they let him go again. So 2001, he got arrested. Got arrested. For 48 counts yes, of murder. He pleaded guilty to 48. And then he was later convicted because um, they found these people were hiking, and they found another body. And it got linked to him also because of the DNA. Now everything new they're finding, they just find his DNA on it. And it gets, like, they still started uncovering stuff about him even later. Dang, it's been 20 years. Yes. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Like, they'll come across a dead body, you know, to this day, possibly. And if his DNA is on it, they run it through the thing. And it's like, that was him too. Daggum. So you were saying in the beginning they suspect like 70-something cases? 71 is the suspected. Like I said, he only pleaded guilty to um, 48 and then got convicted of that other one. Yes. Yeah. Went up to 49. Um, and, but it's suspected that he's killed um, like 71. And then he says that it's probably closer to like 90. Did, uh, did he get the death penalty? No. No? That's, he took a plea. Oh, because he took them to the sites where he had killed them um, and got like closure for the families and belongings and stuff like that. I wonder how many. Um, what is it? Not lifetimes. How many uh, life sentences he got from 49 murders? So, I mean, it's, he pleaded guilty to 48 counts of murder, becoming one of the most prolific serial killers in U.S. history. As part of the plea agreement, he provided information about the locations of some victim remains. So, uh, and this is what I meant by investigators continue to search for and identify more victims based on Ridgway's information, bringing closure to families and further evidence. Ridgway was convicted of an additional murder, bringing his total confirmed victim count to 49. Dang. So, I mean. So, he's never, like, he'll never get out of prison. Oh, no. He's there forever. Yeah. It's, it's lifetimes. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder how, I wonder if he's still alive now. Yeah, he's still alive. Is he? Yeah. Dang. Age 74. Yeah, he couldn't do anything if, even if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Well, I say that I don't know. That guy was very capable in his in his youth. Yeah, that's the only thing he dodged was the de- the death penalty. Yeah, he's he's serving the time for forty nine accounts of murder. Dang. And like I said, they keep finding more, so they just just keep adding, it on, adding there. on. As long he's as they a- keep finding bodies, he's he gonna be there. Yeah, he's almost at fifty. Because, uh, I mean, yeah, 48 plus the one, 49, but that's crazy. They said that it could possibly over 70. Yeah. 49 convicted, 71 to 90 plus confessed and suspected. Dang. So he's only convicted on the 49. Right. But he's confessed to over 90. Which I don't know how that works. Like, if you confess to him, you don't get convicted. Uh, I th- I'm not sure. Probably because th- they're later. Statute of limitations. Maybe? I think it's, uh, I think you, even if you get a confession, I think you still have to have evidence. Mm. So you could have a confession with no evidence and you can't like pin them down. Yeah. Because it's like, well, yeah, he said he did it, but we can't prove that so he if did they, it. Whenever they find a body that matches the criteria that he gave them. Yeah. That's the evidence and the confession. Yeah. So if they have evidence then all you need is a confession and bam, you got them. But if you mm-hmm. have a confession and no evidence, then you're, you're just done. You're screwed. Mm-hmm. So. so is that everything on the Green River Killer? No, it's not everything. But oh. that's, it's, yeah. 
like I said, there's so much. Um, I think there's even stuff about like he would why why he did sex workers and stuff like that was because he'd had this hatred of women. Like they further kind of delve into it, and yeah. we've already talked about that some with his mom, yeah, and everything and stuff like that. But even the way he was kind of treated by like his wives and stuff. Like I said, there was infidelities on both sides of all of his marriages. Right. Um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Dang. Yeah. It was kind of like he was set up for failure because it was like from his childhood. And then, I mean, cause at 16, he stabbed a six year old kid mm-hmm. and left him in the woods to die. And that's just, what do you do at that point? Like lock him up. Yeah. Well, I guess they sent him to the military, so. Yeah, he got. I guess that's how he served Dang. his time, military. Yeah. And he's still, that's the last episode we did. The oh, military with one with Justin. Dang, why did it, it took me <laughs> this whole episode to finally think of it. Um. So, yeah, dang. Because he went to the Navy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> the Navy, they did it to him. No, no, no. Um. Dang, so yeah. So that's the Green River Killer, huh? 40, 49 confirmed kills. Yes, Convicted of 49, suspected of over 90. Still serving time, still in prison. Yeah. At 74 years of age. It makes me wonder about like the Golden State Killer and all that. Like how many were there, you know, kills. What, what's he convicted of and what did he actually do? Yeah. That's always crazy to me. Yeah. How you done way more and only get convicted of these. No evidence, no case. Can't, can't pin it against anybody if there's to no me, evidence. Being convicted of the others is enough evidence to me. I don't know. Well, I mean, other than closure, though, like, even if he does get convicted for another murder, what's it going to change? He's yeah. going to still be in prison. They're going to extend. I mean, he's going to be there till he dies regardless. Like, there's nothing, like, other than the family getting the closure that they want, there's nothing changing. It's crazy that it's set up to the place where, like, all right, so the plea deal was he dodged the death penalty. Yeah. Okay. But when, and I guess that would be another lawsuit if they were like, this has added up too much. You no longer get the death penalty. Because that's in writing. That's in. What is? That's a, a courtroom case. Or the fact that he got the no death penalty. Because he took the, the plea? Right. So that, like, that's signed in, in a court of law. Yeah, that he'll never get the death penalty? Right. Yeah. But then all this stuff keeps adding up. He pr- that's if, probably they were, if they were to say, like, all right, we want to go back over this, they would have to do a whole nother trial. That's probably why they, uh, that's probably why he took the plea so early in the case was probably just because like, he was like, they're going to find a lot <laughs> more than this. You're about to find a lot more. Yeah. So kind of smart. Yeah. Um, let's see. How long was the Green River killer sentenced? Yeah. So he got 48 consecutive life sentences. Yeah. So basically, I don't know how long a life sentence is, but I think it's like, what, 100 years? Is it? Yeah, like a life sentence is like, I, I don't think it's your whole life. I think it's actually like- There's some, a year on it. Yeah. For some reason, I've heard like 18 to life. I don't know why that sounds familiar. What is a death? A life sentence carries a maximum term of the person's natural life. Uh, it doesn't have the opportunity to be paroled. It ends at the person's death. So yeah, he has, yeah. So he basically is serving the life 
I, I, it doesn't matter. One life sentence or 48 of them, he's still in there for life. <laughs> he's in there. Yeah. So. I just found this. It says that more than half of all prisoners currently sentenced to death in the U.S. have been on death row for more than 18 years. So you're just sitting there waiting around. Just seeing. For lethal injection or whatever we do nowadays. Yeah. I think the chair's banned. Yeah, that's it definitely banned. It wouldn't have been this time, though. I think they still do firing squad, though. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. That wouldn't that be that bad. Just they literally just have a sniper out there, and they sit you out there in a the field, and the shot goes off, and you're dead. But that's not what they were offering back then when he was. I don't know. That's well, 2001. 2001. Yeah, it's probably lethal injection. I don't think the you chair. Think? Yeah, I, don't I think... think we still had the chair then. I don't know. I'm gonna look it up. I don't know. But. I guess, gosh, that's hard to go into God. It's, good. it's every time we do one of these. It's, I know, like, it's like, all right. The past couple of true crime ones, it's like, all right, well, I guess that puts us in God is good time. And it's like, dang, we just heard about 48 killings. And uh, now we got to pull a verse out of the Bible. But yes, are you, you want to you do the verse of the day today or yes, the verse sir. of the podcast? Yes, sir. All right. So our verse is Romans 8, 18. Says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. I don't, I've always loved this verse. Man, Paul. One, because it's my birthday, 818. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Second, because it's just like, you ever heard that saying, this too shall pass? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's like, Paul always dropping some Paul, <laughs> he's just the best, man. He just drops bars. I, it's just, it's, to me, it's, it rounds up the gospel in a way. In a, in a much quicker way. What do you mean? It's, well, the gospel is the good news. That's true. That, like, this ain't it, you know? Yeah. This life is, is fleeting. It's like we talked about earlier, or, or in one of our podcasts, where we talked about life being so fleeting, and you're, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just like, this ain't it, and the sufferings of today, nothing compared Doesn't, to the glory that yeah. will be. And it, I find it. That happens to me like every day. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like it's not just to me this verse isn't just about heaven. It's feel, like even like today, tomorrow's better. Tomorrow, the next day's better. I feel like this verse is more of like because let me read it again. I have the English standard version. Yeah, I was living I was reading or no, new this living is translation. A new, uh international version. Okay. Um, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I feel yeah. like this is an episode or an episode. This is a uh, verse about perspective. Right. Because it's like you get sucked. A lot of times, like I know for me, like I get sucked in like the present and like all the problems I have and like right. that. And it's like, take a step back. Like you were an ant, like an ant compared to everything that's going on. Like, like we're, yeah, you're here to like, for instance, we get so caught up in our finances, our job, our outs, mm-hmm. out, you know, just all of our life. But like, we're really here to spread the good news. Like mm-hmm. that is our main duty as Christians. And I feel like it's like we're oh. here to give hope. And yeah, like, I don't know that that verse just it just gives me hope every time I read it. Like I'm just like God. Yeah, it like fires me up. <laughs> I don't know, especially the wording of of that translation. There's one translation where it like does it, and it's like crazy. It, it like, yeah fires me up. Yeah, sometimes you just gotta like take a step back and look at the whole picture, not just mm-hmm. like get so focused in on the detail. And I'm glad it says something about the suffering because it's like we just talked about a guy killed. Right. We don't know how many, but confirmed 48, 49. Right. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of suffering for all those families, but like there's glory to come. And so, 
I guess it's 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 like you said, it does kind of just encompass the whole the whole message the of whole the Bible. Gospel. Like you know, yeah. there's always good. There's always tomorrow. There's always so. tomorrow. New mercies, new what's the? There's that verse too. Yeah, you could go on forever tiny, about bro. it. I'm pretty sure that's by Paul too. It's funny too, because like I said, we talked about earlier the uh, that you know your life is but a vapor. Yeah, I missed. That, that's like talking about like don't worry about tomorrow. And yeah, this one's kind of. I'm not saying they're contradictory. No, but I'm saying like don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's the hope. Yeah, tomorrow's the good part. Yeah, like stop worrying about. Because there's a verse about that too. It's like don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own worries. Yeah. So it's like you know. I don't know man. It's so I, good. I love it. It's just so good. So, but yeah, that is our God is good time and. Yeah, guys, I in hope y'all... dark contrast, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in dark, yeah. Very, uh, very opposite ends there, because it was like, man, murder, 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 and then God is good time. But, yeah, guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Shooting the Breeze. I'm Cody. I'm Sawyer. And we'll see you next week with another episode.